you're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin and welcome back to this week's episode of Podiatry Marketing. With me today is my co-host, Big Jim Mack. How are you doing today, Jim? Uh, getting bigger by the day. You know, the, the muscles are just growing, no, but uh, <laughs> very happy to be here with you, Tyson. Like, uh, excited to talk about this uh interesting topic and uh, get your take on how the robots are going to take over podiatry and the rest of the world so so you reckon robots are going to rule the world they're probably like the terminator <laughs> i hope i hope it's not uh i hope it's not that the terminator but uh, you never know right so so what's the topic what, what are we talking about yeah so today we're going to talk about podiatry ai and this thing that's been around for a little while now called chat gpt you know there's a lot of um automation and kind of ways that uh computers and machine learning and AI are kind of changing the way that we use um, different types of um, applications of daily life, whether it be a word processor or, you know, the the way we go about um, our podiatry practice also will see some changes. But um, you might have come across some of this kind of AI generated art or there's been some kind of AI generated um, text kind of um, kind of experiments but it's kind of being worked into some different products these days that really kind of um help help facilitate i would say kind of like generation of content but will uh with the, with the kind of theory of like kind of you can you know save some time and effort um by utilizing some of these kind of new tools yeah i was only talking to someone yesterday and they were showing me a particular program and they said give us some topics that podiatrists would normally write about so i gave them a couple of topics and they said, and what type of people would be likely to read this sort of information? So I told them the type of patients that come in. They punched a few things into this AI program and it spat out uh, like 35 different blog articles that it wrote. And then they started reading them to me. And I went, you know what? They're probably about 90% accurate. I said, all it takes is you to then, and also wonder how many words did you want per blog article? And I said, oh, make it 320. And they, okay, so the 320 words on the topic for this particular person. And I read through it and I went, oh, it's probably only a few things I'd actually change just to make it accurate. Yeah. So when people are saying, oh, I don't know how to write blog articles, well, don't worry, AI can probably do it for you. <laughs> well, technology you know, obviously had a huge change on not only our profession, but also health in general because, you know, I, annoyingly or not annoyingly like a lot of information about healthcare is now available through dr google right so you know a lot of patients will come in thinking they already know what they have how they should be treated um and you're just there to like sign the prescription or just kind of like double check that the dr google is correct and while we don't you know we don't want that to to be the case um you know it, it can be uh there's just so many tools out there right now that use utilize these kind of different technologies and you know, whether it be kind of that autocomplete, I don't know if you use Gmail, Tyson, but, you know, one example of this kind of like AI or predictive text um, finishing off your sentences, right? If I say like, have a great, or, you know, have a, you know, at the end of an email, yeah. say maybe great week, great Monday, um, it kind of learns your, the habits of what you write. And then basically just kind of like gives you the opportunity to kind of like uh, save you some time by doing that. Um also, from a medical perspective, there's some different technologies now available where um, machine learning and kind of through optical sensors can look at x-rays. Um, there's been some studies that say they're actually better detecting uh, 
early stage breast cancer and some lung cancers um, better than radiologists. So whether we like it or not, uh, technology is here to stay. And hopefully um, by kind of partnering with the technology, uh, our patients can benefit uh, in a lot of ways. But I think it goes back to what you just said. Um, you know, it's kind of a shift now, right? So like if you're writing an email or an article, you don't necessarily have to be the content creator or the generator of it. Um, it gets you 80 to 90% of the percent of the way there. Um, but it kind of gives you the opportunity now to be an editor. Yeah. Um, and, and editing, whether it be looking at an x-ray to double check or you know, checking to make sure you didn't send some crazy email or that the the you know this kind of AI writer didn't, you know, put some crazy stuff about how to treat plantar fasciitis in there. Um, the human editor is still really, really important. I think will be for some period of time, but that's um, whether it be self-driving cars, um, you know, the way you write um, a clinic note, we'll get into some more examples of some of this stuff that, that could be used, but um, you know, it, it definitely is moving that way uh, with a lot of different tools. Um, there's one called um, jasper.ai, uh, yeah. which is a, uh, um, or copy.ai or a copy. Uh, like there's a couple of different kind of writing tools that are very popular now. And um, there's actually one from Google, actually a former um, Google employee. I think he works for, uh, it's, it's called OpenAI, but it's called ChatGPT. Um, and basically, like you said, if you say like, you know, what is the cause of plantar fasciitis or, you know, you just, you just type in a question you say like, um, and we'll get into more specifics later, but it'll spit out something that's, you know, 80 to 90% of the way there. Uh, it requires some editing from you or from your staff, but um, it's pretty crazy. Some of the tools that are, are currently kind of coming into production. Yeah, even when you said before, there's two things, one about yeah, machines identifying breast cancer and lung cancer, and they're doing it better than radiologists. And you can you can understand the benefits of that because the machine doesn't get tired. Like a radiologist, you know, when they're looking at something at 8 a.m. in the morning and if they're, they're still there at 6 p.m. and they've been doing that for 10 hours, are they as focused as what they should be? And I, I've had x-rays and that sent back to us where there's an obvious problem and the radiologist has gone, all clear. And I'm like, yeah, I know. My anatomy was never the best, but I'm sure the fifth metatarsal was only one bone. <laughs> Not two. <laughs> a big split down the middle of it. And they go, oh, well, that was pretty obvious. I didn't think I needed to report on that. And they go, well, no, well, no you're paid to report. So a machine just does it. There were, but there was on the other side of things, I saw a video on TikTok the other day, and it's someone who's using one of those self-parking cars. And they've got the hands in there like this, and the person's in the back seat filming it, and the car just smashed straight in the car behind them. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone in the back seat is cracked up laughing. That's where they've used AI, you know, like artificial intelligence to park the car for them. Didn't work. Yeah, some of those cars have sonar in some ways. They're supposed to like you know notice where those cars are you know, in front and behind you. But I think it is one of those things you just whether it be with a you know Tesla or it be a vehicle, uh, you know, a Gmail, it, you still have to kind of be in command, right? You can't yeah. uh, fall asleep at the wheel whether you're writing a message uh, or you know trying to parallel park a car. It's really important that um, they can be powerful tools, but we still need to be in charge and be the editor uh, and not just be reliant because if, um, you know, people are pressed for time. So, you know, hopefully this will save time and not make people overly lazy. Um, there is some like, I mean, you know, dangers maybe be a little too strong, but we can't be completely reliant uh, on these different tools. But um, getting back to like the, the chat GPT. So this is a kind of, in, it's in when I'm, you know, recording this right now, um, 
you know, it's in kind of a open free testing. So if you go, if you look up chat GPT uh, from OpenAI, you might, but like for a couple of examples, like you talked about, let's say, you know, what is the treatment for plantar fasciitis? It'll spit out, you know, 200, 300 words about that topic, or yeah. um, that's one way of doing it. Or maybe, you know, there's, there's, there's something, um, you know, you get a, in the U S it's not too uncommon to get uh, insurances deny certain types of treatment or care. Uh, maybe like, let's say it's a, a diabetic patient for whatever reason, um, they're not allowing you to see that patient on a monthly basis to do like, you know, they, they're insensate. They don't have any, uh, you know, basically they don't have any protection left in their skin. They're developing wounds or sores and they need to be seen on a consistent basis. And you're, maybe you get a, a letter from an insurance provider saying, oh, you can only do annual checks with this patient. Well, um, with, with this chat GPT, you can type in basically say, you know, write a letter to Blue Cross and Blue Shield Insurance Company, um, include citations about why, what the importance of um, monthly diabetic foot screenings and checks uh, for people that are insensate. And it'll basically just like write out a very, very good letter um, with citations to like scientific literature within yeah. the copy and provide the citations at the end. So, you know, the, the American Journal of Diabetes or uh, another type of, uh, you know, journal citation will be in there. I mean, it's it's not perfect yet, um, but I I did a couple of these examples, and I thought that was a pretty interesting one. Um, another one too is maybe you have maybe some of the templated things that you've done in the past are a little bit stale. Um, maybe you have a thank you note or a thank you letter that you send to um, different clinics or other physicians that refer you patients, and you want to freshen it up a little bit. Um, you can actually type in like change the tone of this, you know, like put in all that text and then change the tone of the following or rewrite the following. Um, and it'll rewrite that thank you note. Um, and maybe if you want to make it a little bit more personalized, you can put in some stuff in there uh, in the description. But we're really moving from like having to actually write the entire thing into like knowing how to make the right prompts um, and knowing the capabilities of some of the software with ChatGPT. Um, there's more we can get into, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts and your questions about this, Tyson. Well, I, th I like the idea of it and I can see it. It goes back to what you said before. A lot of this is it's saving time and instead of us having to burn up, because I always think we, we only have a certain amount of mental energy. You know, we have a certain amount per day and when it's used up, we become, <laughs> we just get tired and you don't feel like doing the work. So if you had a busy day with patients all day, you don't then don't want to, you don't want to write the reports. Or if you are writing the reports, it is a real struggle to write a report or a response to a referrer. So I can see the advantages of pushing a few buttons, making a few comments, doing the reports for you, that then the next day you can then come back to when you're very clear-headed, just do the editing like you spoke about before and get them out there. So it's I can see it as a real time saver and probably being more accurate because sometimes when you're tired and you're writing, you write, you write rubbish. It does, it's just gibberish. I think it's an also opportunity too to like make sure whatever content you're creating, let's say on your website or on a social media channel or through some ads, it's also a way to kind of keep that consistent. Because you know, if you can say mm. you can type in things like write a tweet about um, plantar fasciitis based off of this information, you just kind of like put it in there, and it'll make like a 140 or 280 word tweet, or like write a paragraph um, about this, or it's a way to like even condense some of the content you have. Um, it's a pretty interesting tool to like, you know, just make sure you're continuing to sending the same message on different platforms. And sometimes that can be kind of 
time consuming, I would say. I don't think it's like it's not it's not a it's not brain surgery to or rocket science to like yeah. take take a, a blog page and condense it into a paragraph. But if you're not consistently writing, I'm sure that uh, this tool or other tools similar to it are going to save a significant amount of time because it'll just it'll kind of just do it for you in a way. And like you said, you can edit it and make sure it's um, accurate, um, you know, both scientifically and grammatically. Uh, but that's something that can be huge. Mm. But it's sort of like Grammarly, not Grammarly, um, yeah. Canva. When you're in Canva and you do some artwork, you might do a certain, it could be a show tile or something like that. And once you do it, it says, do you want to resize this for YouTube shorts? Do you want to resize it for Instagram? And when you say yes, it takes all your information there and it does move it around. And then all it really takes for you is just a little bit of tweaking because it never moves it perfectly. It just moves it into where it should be. And then you just tweak it. So... I would say what you're talking about is very similar with the writing because when you said before about it, it can change the tone of a letter. So I assume if I've met you for the first time, Jim, and I write a letter to you, it's going to be quite formal. Yeah. But then as I get to know you and our relationship improves, then my response to you could be, yeah, I could say friendlier as time goes on until eventually I'm going, hey, big Jim Mack here doing <laughs> Here's another patient for you. Well, Fix them up. Well, well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people think, oh, it's AI or it's some like generated thing. It doesn't have, it's it's not personal, right? It's a cold robot kind of writing this thing. But I think you, you point out a really important part that like these things can change the tone and tell yeah. them. And that's sometimes in a way almost more personal than you just like uh, having this template you just send to everybody, right? And that, that After a while, after someone gets like the third or fourth, like kind of same letter you've given them. Um, but if you can do this in 15, 20 seconds, and really kind of make more of a personal connection with them and show um, not only uh, your personality, but also just it's a it's a level of warmth uh, towards another person that you just people don't necessarily have the time for these days. And mm. um, I would say also with within an EMR, you know, people have been trying to like voice to text dictate, have these like, you know, bullet point, like kind of short code templates that just pop up with things. And maybe you're great with that. But uh, this chat GPT can also do things like that. It can do, it can start off history and physical, it can start off a progress or an operative note. So like I said, it, it's about 80% of the way there and you have to make sure you put in the proper prompts um, to make it happen. But um, chat GPT is one of the two things that uh, I want to touch base with today about that. But I think it's, it's a pretty interesting way to uh, save time with text. Yeah, before you get on the second one. So it would also be like just intuitive learning, wouldn't it? That as you use it, yeah, it, yeah. It's a little bit going to be a little bit time consuming, maybe at the beginning, just to get the hang of it. Then once you start using it, it's like the more you use it, the better you get it, the better it gets to know you, and it changes. I've even found that like a simple program that's been around for ages, like Grammarly, you'll write something now. So well, what's the context that you're writing this? Is this professional? Is it friendly? Is it supposed to be uh, just informative? And they change words based on what you've told them what to do. Now Grammarly's been around for ages, but it sounds like this is just going a whole Complete, this thing's actually writing it for you, which is even easier. <laughs> Grammarly might write yeah, it for you. It's the writer near the editor, right? I think that editorial part. I think yeah. it's. I think a lot of people that you know don't uh, like. I mean, I, I I build websites. You coach. You know, you write a lot as well. You've written books. So, like, I think sometimes when you're you're not in that kind of content creation, you you see yourself as the writer, and then you, you write it and you just send it out. Um, but there has to be kind of a thorough editorial process, and I would say that like while this can write this stuff for you, it really kind of emphasizes the importance of an editorial like time and commitment to making sure that it's really accurate. Because like I said, um, 
it, it can do those things. We just want to make sure that um, you know it's it it doesn't impose any kind of like potential harm or danger uh, to those that read it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and speaking of books, if you haven't got a copy of It's No Secret, There's Money in Podiatry. Put that on your Christmas list for 2023 this year and uh, make sure somebody in your family buys it for you. There you go. There's a plug for myself. So what? Nice plug. <laughs> so, Jim, when you write your book, you'll be allowed to do that too. So awesome. what's what's the, uh, the second thing you want to talk about? The second one is maybe something people have seen probably more. It's probably a little bit earlier. It, obviously, it is a little bit earlier than um, this kind of like text uh, AI. Um, it's basically... Uh, utilizing uh, the creation of images through text. There's a lot of editor. There's a lot of editors coming out now. There's um, ways to kind of upload photos of yourself or photos of maybe your clinic or you in surgery, um, and you can actually have these kind of like strong AI models create images. Um, you know, I, I still think, at least for right now, like authentic, real photos of you taking care of patients is probably steps ahead of what the AI is. But sometime in the future, maybe you know, let's say you can't get into the operating room. Let's say you like to do a lot of surgery for some reason. Uh, that's like kind of your specialty. You're, you're in the, the OR, but either you haven't taken pictures there, or you don't feel comfortable. There's probably a way that they can create an image with your photo of, of you doing like a foot surgery of like a composited patient. I mean, this is probably a few years down the road, but there are these open AI or these AI ways of creating images. Um, so be aware of that. Um, I don't really know if there's a real important thing that you know i think you know like you talked about in a previous podcast like you know if you're doing images and creating stuff for um you know graphic design you know canvas a pretty great way to do that but i i assume at some time in the future um a lot of things that you have to kind of manually do in canva you might be able to say type it in like you know maybe you have to upload two or three photos in like a template but like you said just type in say or or voice command say make me a you know, image for a Facebook post or make me an image for LinkedIn posts or um, even with video, potentially not only just still images, but there is a potential with, you know, with video say, you know, edit this video, take out all the ums and ahs that Jim says and uh, all the horrible jokes that Tyson says. All the likes. <laughs> well, no, the I've likes. seen that. There was a, oh, what's it called? I cannot remember the name of the program. I have played around with it. And you do the video like we're doing now, for example. Then the trans, you upload the video to the. Uh, I think it's called. Is it Ask Eddie? Ask Eddie. I've used I've used Descript that will remove yeah. some of these filler words. Yeah. So you put the video in, then it gives you the the transcript. You edit the transcript, and as you edit the transcript, it it then edit, edits the video for you. Yep. So it saves you having to go back and edit the video as well. You're editing the transcript, and as you edit that it automatically takes it out of the video. So, which, geez, I tell you, I just had a video recently and it was very time consuming. <laughs> well, one of those things they can do as well is if you, uh, with Descript, uh, you can actually spend 10 or 15 minutes basically saying words. They'll, basically they'll record you saying specific words. Yeah. And by saying those like, I don't know if it's 10 minutes or five minutes where it is nowadays, but after you're done saying all of those words, you're actually able to type in words into the video editor. It'll it'll sound like you saying those words without you. You know, let's say bunny neck to me. You never said bunny neck to me, but they can they can make you say <laughs> bunny neck to me. So if you forgot to say a word, or you know, instead of saying bunny neck to me, you said like a million times. You can 
copy paste that into those spots. And It'll yeah, I, like I said, this is we're getting a little geeky here, maybe a little bit in the weeds, but I I think it is really important to come back to the fact that a lot of these AI tools, with the Chat GPT or some of these image tools in the future, might save your practice time, save you time, but also provide a level of service and care that you currently can't because you're you're under the a time crunch, right? Time is that most valuable commodity or resource that we have, and I think it's important that uh, you know whether you use these in your practice tomorrow or six months from now or or never, um, you just need to know what's out there and where things are moving, and that's kind of you know this might be a little bit more of a, a future forward um, episode, but I think it is important for people to know what's coming down the line so you can be like you talked about, not be complacent and be proactive in your practice. And there's two things. I've got a friend, one friend who every morning wakes up at a particular time and the first hour of the day, all he does is read articles on what's new. He'll read all these different articles just to get a feel of what's happening in the world. He does that for the first hour and he feels that keeps him uh, up to date with most of the changes that are actually happening. The second thing I was going to say is keep listening to this podcast because you spend a lot of time, Jim, researching all this stuff. Yeah, I try to help people kind of stay stay up to date as far as you know what directions the profession might be moving, and uh, you know the questions you ask kind of help me solidify these ideas. You know, try to improve my speech, say like a lot less. But uh, <laughs> you know, I enjoy these conversations that we have, and I and if anyone ever has questions about anything we bring up on the Podiatry Marketing Podcast, definitely go over to our website podiatry.marketing, ask us questions. Are there things out there you want to learn more about, whether it be in marketing or just uh, in practice management? We're happy to uh, devote a podcast to uh, to those different topics. Well, Jim, I think that is about a wrap for this episode. This has been great. And thing thing is, it's actually got me thinking a lot about different aspects of things I've seen in the past that I'm going, yeah, I need to look into that uh, a little bit more. Yeah, that's what this is what this podcast is all about, Tyson. Okay, big Jim, I will talk to you next week. Sounds like a plan, Tyson. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.